The reality we expect is the reality we experience. What we believe, we become. Hello, love. Welcome or welcome back. Today, we are going to dive into my top seven core beliefs that have helped me and people I've worked with evolve into lives they love. Now, I'm offering up these seven core beliefs not to tell you what to believe, but rather to support you in having the freedom to choose what you want to believe. My hope is this will give you a tool that you can return to to support you in designing a life you love because ultimately your beliefs create your reality. Let's talk about what that actually means and how that happens. So your beliefs create your reality because if you imagine a circle, at the top of the circle, we have beliefs. Your beliefs then funnel in to create your thoughts. Your thoughts are what generate your emotions. Your emotions motivate your actions and your actions create your reality. And your reality reinforces your original beliefs. So we go around and around, almost like we're on a merry-go-round, having the same beliefs, thinking the same thoughts, feeling the same emotions, taking the same actions, creating the same reality again and again and again. But when we can stop, we can look at what's the reality we're experiencing that's not aligned with the life we love, and we can begin to evaluate what are the beliefs that are creating that reality, we can change everything. We can change our beliefs, which changes our thoughts, which changes our emotions, which changes our actions, which creates a new reality. Beliefs originate from usually early childhood experiences, but sometimes we develop them later in life. But often they come from hearing pieces of information again and again and again. With enough repetition, a piece of information will become a belief system. Now, this information can come from parents. It can come from teachers or coaches. It can come from the environment. So whether it's television shows we watch or music that we listen to or articles that we read. Sometimes it also comes from experiences or events that happen in our life when we make sense of it in a very particular way. Or sometimes it's just the general message in our society or culture or religion. But with enough repetition, these pieces of information become a belief system. And if you've ever heard yourself saying, like, that's just how it is. That's just how the world works. That's just how men are. That's just how women are. That's just how relationships are. That's just how I am. Usually it's because there's a belief system that's there that's causing you to filter all the other information that might invite you into a different reality. One of the biggest misconceptions about beliefs is that they're static. And truly nothing could be further from the truth. Beliefs are malleable. We can provide our mind with different bits of information that allows us to create an entirely new belief system. And truly, I think this is one of the most important mental skills and strengths that we can develop in order to continuously evolve into a life we love. I think that our old beliefs are constantly being evaluated and updated by our new beliefs. So the beliefs I'm going to share with you today, my top seven core favorites, they're my favorites now, but I haven't believed them forever, and I probably won't believe them forever as well. It's a continual evolution. Learning how to evaluate and update your core beliefs is one of the most important psychological strengths you can develop. So the truth is your beliefs are a choice. And as adults, we have the mental power to begin to be discerning about whether our beliefs are hurting us or helping us. So if you think of beliefs like software, you can have like the best computer on the planet, but your computer can only run the programs you load onto it. That's what your beliefs are. 
So we're always loading these beliefs into our computer, and that's allowing us to operate in a certain way in our life. Now, if you circle around a belief and a thought for long enough, it just begins to become the filter for how you experience the world. And it generates a sense of momentum and reinforcement and confirmation. And soon it's really difficult to see the world or to see ourselves or to see each other in a different way. So I want to give you an example of a couple clients that I was working with. I've changed some information just to protect their privacy, but I also have consent to share these stories. And I was working with these two clients at a time when we were going through a recession. And it was such an interesting moment for me that really confirmed the power of beliefs because they were both in a similar position. They were both in sales and they were both going through this sort of cultural experience that we were all going through, which we called a recession. Now, one woman... When she came in, she was talking about how she read this like scary article about the recession and how it's such a hard time to make money and you should like really buckle down and you shouldn't be spending. Then she talked to a friend who also happened to sort of read the similar types of articles and they were having these conversations about, wow, this is a really scary time and what are we going to do? And it's a hard time to make money. And then they were talking about like the cost of, of groceries and they were sort of giggling at how apples went from being like 49 cents to two dollars. At the same time, their heart rates were leaping a little bit at the thought of the scarcity, and there's a lot of fear that was there. And one of the things I noticed is as we were talking, it just seemed really evident that there's more and more and more and more evidence in this person's world that we're in time of scarcity. Her mind had a belief system that became magnetized to looking for evidence that that belief system was right. And this is just what happens in the mind. So those thoughts gathered momentum and gathered emotion, then they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And very soon there was this very elaborate story about how things are. In psychology, we call this a confirmation bias. A confirmation bias is when we consciously or unconsciously pursue facts that confirm what we already believe to be true. And we ignore facts that would give us countering evidence. This is how the reality we expect becomes a reality that we experience. The reality we expect becomes a reality we experience. So contrast that with another client also working in sales, also living through this time of what we called recession. And she came from a very different world. In her world, her news feed was streaming all of these resources for how opportunities are abundant during times of recession. So there's always a way to make money, to be of service, to support, to solve a new problem. And in fact, that some of the greatest companies in the world are born in recessions because it's such a fantastic opportunity to do things differently or to innovate or to be creative or to support people. And she had similar friends who were also having conversations about, all right, this is fantastic. How do we make the most of this experience? How do we really help people in a way that adds value to their life so that we can also build businesses that are meaningful during this time. So similarly, her mind became a magnet for evidence to prove that recessions are times of abundance and they're times of opportunities. She had her own confirmation bias going on. These were similar people in similar industries with similar socioeconomic status, and they had a very different experience of recession. Now, I'm not saying that recessions don't exist, but what I am saying is that our thoughts and our beliefs about recessions generate emotions about them, and those emotions motivate the actions we take and ultimately the reality we experience. And so you can imagine the first woman 
actually really did struggle through the recession financially. And the second woman actually really did thrive during the recession because of their belief systems. One had a belief that said the recession is an opportunity for an abundance. One had a belief system that said recession is an experience of scarcity. And both of them were right because both of them had conditioned themselves to experience something specific when it came to the recession. So I'm sure you know that when economies take a turn, there are people who thrive. You've probably heard stories of that. And those people tend to have a very unique set of beliefs that lead them to think certain thoughts, to feel specific emotions, and to take certain actions that contribute to them thriving. Now, everything we experience in life, not just recessions, are impacted by the beliefs that we have. Everything we experience. And this is because there's another psychological phenomenon called the self-fulfilling prophecy. And the self-fulfilling prophecy is a prediction that comes true, at least in part, because we think it's true. So I'll give you another example of somebody I was working with. And he came in and he had multiple experiences of wanting to get a promotion and wanting to get a job. So he would put his resume out there and he would cross his fingers, (laughs) prepare the interview questions. And he had a couple of experiences of going into the interview and feeling like, I'm not going to get it. I'm just, I'm just not going to get it. Maybe they're going to had a bit of imposter syndrome going on. So there was a thought of like, well, maybe they're going to figure out that I'm not as qualified as everybody says I am. Or uh, maybe they're going to hire somebody else. They're going to hire internally instead of externally. And so he would go into these interviews, both sort of feeling a little bit hopeful, but more feeling disillusioned. And so as a result, would engage with the interviewers in a way where there was like scarcity and low energy and insecurity And that person would then not get the job. And so what was happening is time and time again, it was his performance that was contributing to the expectation he had not coming to pass. So if he had a different belief system and went into the interview with a different level of energy and confidence and a different psychological state, then the interviewers would have been able to experience him in a different way. But that's not what happened. So we really had to work on reforming the beliefs that he had about himself so that he went into the interview feeling confident, feeling proud, feeling secure in himself, knowing that what he had to offer was valuable, believing that whatever company chose to hire him would see him as an asset and that he could really deliver value to that company. And he went into the next interview radiating this this positivity, radiating this belief that he was going to become the person who was perfect for that position. And of course, he ended up getting the job. So this self-fulfilling prophecy is what fuels this reality that what we believe we become. It's easy to keep thinking, feeling, and seeing the, the world and ourselves in the same way. And soon we just start to be believe that's just how I am. That's just how they are. That's just what relationships are like. That's just the way the world is. That's just what happens when I go for an interview. That's just what life is like when we're in a recession. And over time... Everything in our world confirms that we're right. Eventually, what gets curated on the outside is a reflection of what's going on in the inside. So whether that's the news articles that get presented to you or what Google feeds you or the conversations that you end up having because you're framing questions in a specific way or the relationships that you end up creating or the experiences that you see the world through, we become a mental match for life by the beliefs that we hold about how things are. Now, what gets tricky here is that when we've held beliefs for a really long time, even if someone comes by 
and invites us into a new way of believing, invites us to see the world through another lens, our mind can struggle to accept it because the filters that we have cause us to ignore countering evidence. And so if you think about the economy again, like the truth is, during a recession, not all parts of the economy are bad. There are some parts of the economy that are booming. And if we go back to the software analogy, we can examine what are the apps that are running in our minds? What's serving us and what's not? What do we want to download? So just like, you know, a couple of times a year, I go through my phone. I'm like, why do I have all these apps? I'm not even using them. And I just go through and I delete them. I like to think about beliefs in the same way. What What's there that's not serving you? And maybe at some point in your life, you downloaded it. You thought it would be useful, but it's not anymore. It's just like clutter and it's taking up space. And, and maybe it's slowing down the performance of your phone. And you can just go on and you can consciously look at what's working, what's not working, what's effective, what's not effective, and begin to delete the things that are no longer aligned with the life that you love. So my invitation to you today, love, is to reflect on what beliefs have you installed or what beliefs were installed for you that serve you and what ones don't. So that was our entry into how I have been exploring beliefs that have served me really well in living a life I love and helped others as well. These are the seven core beliefs that have completely changed my life. And so I offered them to you with a lot of love and an invitation. You don't have to take these on because my beliefs don't have to be your beliefs. But please do look at what are the beliefs you're carrying and are they hurting you or are they helping you? Belief number one is what I focus on grows. What I focus on grows. So I look at, am I happy with the direction my life is growing in? What do I want to see and how can I focus on it? How can I celebrate it? What I focus on grows. How can I spend the next few hours focusing on what I want more of? Do I want to experience more beauty, more love, more laughter? I want to see love. And so in every opportunity, I, I try to find the love that's there. And when I recognize that there's maybe something outside of me, like a negative experience outside of me, I try to look at how can I even see that experience through the lens of love. I like to put relentless attention on what I want more of. I like to celebrate and express gratitude for the things that are going well. And what I notice on is that that expands that whatever I put my focus on expands and it multiplies. So this idea of what I focus on grows was the number one belief that's served me really, really well. The second belief is this idea that all beliefs already exist. I remember a time when I began to understand that I had some choice around what I was believing, and I found it to be really helpful to think about beliefs as if they were songs. So there are all these songs that already exist in the world, and I can tune into the songs that I want. Some songs are going to make me feel angry or sad or nostalgic or happy or energized or powerful, and other songs will make me feel a different way. Now, one song is not more true or better than another song. They're just all songs. And so I stopped trying to judge my beliefs as being good or bad. I stopped asking myself, is this right or wrong, good or bad, true or untrue? And instead, I, I started asking myself, is this belief useful? Is this belief loving? Is this belief supporting the life I love? And I loved considering it as this analogy with the songs because it's not actually harder to turn on a song that makes me feel sad 
than it is to turn on a song that makes me feel happy. I have a choice. Both options are a choice. Both options are just really as easy. They're all available. And so when I think about times in my life when I've done something hard, for example, when I wanted to start public speaking, I used this analogy to help me get on stage, thinking it's not any harder to imagine being on stage and imagining a group of people resonating with my message versus being on stage and imagining a group of people rejecting my message. Those are both options and they're both available. And one is actually not that much more difficult to imagine than the other. And so I would start connecting with, well, well, what are the beliefs that are going to help me think the way I want to think and feel the way I want to feel and behave the way I want to behave and create the reality that I want to experience? And I choose to tune into those beliefs. So if you can connect to a belief and you can keep thinking about that belief, you will start to look for evidence that that belief is true. And all of a sudden, you'll start having thoughts that are connected to that belief. You're going to have emotions that are going to fuel that belief. You're going to have conversations that confirm that belief. And so you get to make the call. What's the song that you're going to tune into? In every moment, you have a choice. You get to choose the beliefs that will help you instead of hurt you. You get to be conscious and courageous and intentional about the lives, the life that you love and the beliefs that will help you to live it. Belief number three is this idea that love is the greatest gift. Oh, this was such a powerful one for me because once upon a time I had the story that living a life I love was selfish or loving myself was selfish. Like there's so many more other people that I should be loving and helping and that me spending time living a life I love or loving myself was selfish. I really had to update that belief because I don't think that belief is true. And in fact, what I choose to believe now is that love is the greatest gift. The greatest gift I think we can offer the world is not our skills. It's not our time. It's not our knowledge. I think the greatest gift we can offer the world is love. I think that is what the world needs more of. And I think the more that we love ourselves, the easier it is to love others, the easier it is to love life. It ripples out and it has this reverberating effect that allows love to spread more easily through ourselves, through our relationships with others, into our communities, and into society. So when we're loving ourselves, that love, it spills out and it has this beautiful ripple effect on everyone who comes into your orbit. And so love is the greatest gift. Love is the greatest gift. Being able to stay connected and to live by what I call my sacred yes and my honoring no. Uh, this is a concept that I go more deeply into in my book. But essentially, this idea of living by a sacred yes and honoring no is all about boundaries. So when I live by my sacred yes and my honoring no, then I can understand how to be generous without sacrificing myself. I can know my boundaries and I can honor those. I can know my limits and I can work to transcend those. I can serve others. I can support others, but I don't have to live for others. I get to live for love. So the question here, the invitation is, what are you saying yes to? And is it adding more love to yourself, others, or life? Because love is the greatest gift. And also, what can you say no to that will add more love to yourself, others, or life? Because love is the greatest gift. When we live lives we love, I really believe that we're helping other people to do the same. The more I devoted myself to the life I love, I just noticed everyone else around me seemed to do better compared to when I was in self-sacrifice and believing that taking care of myself and loving my life was selfish. It seemed like everyone around me was not doing quite as well. So let's, let's take this podcast, for example. 
I had a desire to create a podcast. Um, thank you for being here. Without you, my purpose would have no place to land. And so I chose love. I chose to create something that I was really excited about, something that felt really loving to me. And then I reached out to my production company, Soulfire, and they had a desire to connect with clients whose souls were on fire about their topic of choice, which was me. And so by me choosing my podcast and choosing this production company, my love added to their love. And then Matt, my operations person, had a desire to expand his skill set and experience and to support our thriving. And so by me choosing love, he was more able to choose love as well. You, hopefully, had a desire to hear stories and strategies and some science about how to live a life you love. So this is beautiful ripple from me to my production company to Matt to you, this feeling of the love never ends. So we're all part of this interconnected web. So you loving up on yourself, you choosing a life you love, it will ripple out and it will positively affect everyone around you and ultimately, I think, the world. Belief number four is honor your you-ness. This is all about what makes you unique, the things that specifically light you up and make you feel alive, this idea that authenticity is attractive and knowing your true self and expressing it in the world it's going to attract people and opportunities to support you in designing a life you love. It's this idea of community matters and more you is, it's better. We want to be able to relate to people from who they actually are rather than who they think that they should be or who they're projecting themselves to be. Because when we do that, we can really find the places that we belong. I believe that our, our people are waiting for us and the way that we find them is by letting ourselves be seen. The way that we know that we're not alone is by honoring our units so that we can find those places that we feel like we belong. Part of honoring your units is to do what deeply matters to you. So this is about finding the people and the places that help you expand on what's important to you. There are so many things in the world that you can do and care about and invest in. And sometimes I feel like there's a lot of pressure to take care of all the things for all the people all the time, to have an informed opinion about all the topics of the day all the time. And I just think that that's impossible. But rather, I like to think that what we can do is we can look at what really matters to me, what deeply matters to me, and how can I build my life around those core values, knowing that me taking care of that little corner of the universe, that matters for the entire big picture. But it's not my responsibility to take care of the whole big picture just my part, whatever that is. And you honoring your you-ness is you taking care of your part, living by the guidance of your true self, knowing that you can tap into what makes you feel alive, the places and the people that allow you to feel deeply connected to your essence. And that radiates out again into the rest of the world, adding goodness, adding aliveness, adding love into the rest of the planet. Part of honoring your you-ness is also recognizing that you're multidimensional, that honoring your newness is about the wholeness of who you are, that you are not just the bright and the beautiful parts, that you're also the dark and the difficult parts. There's times in my life when I really neglected those parts that I thought were unlovable. But the reality is life got a whole lot more loving when I recognized I am multidimensional and I get to embrace all of who I am, not just the parts that I think are are shiny and that people would like, but also the parts that are a little bit complicated and a little bit challenging, that the wholeness of me 
really adds more love to life. So knowing and loving all your bits is what creates space for both an authentic life and an aligned life. So part of this is respecting your individuality. I like thinking of people like snowflakes, like we're beautiful because of the diversity in our own unique details that as we celebrate our you-ness, we get to bring our distinctive life to the puzzle of humanity and our peace, it matters. It's not only about respecting our individuality though, it's also about respecting their individuality. A lot of the suffering I've seen in the world is because we want people to be different than they are. But when we can allow people to have their own experiences, to recognize that their own authenticity is their business, that we get to respect their individuality, then there is a space and freedom for all of us to be who we are, to respect and honor our own you-ness and allow them to honor their own you-ness. So if we let them have their experiences, we can really surrender into this idea that we can't make anybody change before they choose to change. And my experience has been that when I give people the space and the freedom to have their own experience without judgment, that this actually leads to more liberation for them to be themselves. And when people feel truly supported in being themselves, they tend to make choices that are happier and healthier for them, for their own unique life. Another reason I love this belief is because when we can source our own well-being, when we can feel really grounded and really good in who we are, even if somebody else is struggling, that's when we get to hold on to the sense of personal power. Like, I can be okay even if you're not okay. And when we're in our own okayness, I really think, again, we become a magnet for that well-being, that we can open up the possibility of transformation without trying to force it, control it, change it, or take responsibility for it. When we can see them through the lens of loving their eunice, I think this is one of the most beautiful experiences we can offer another human. When we can treat them through the lens of loving their eunice, that's when the kindness, the compassion, the empathy, the encouragement, all of that goodness flows into them and to us. All right, we're getting to the end here. Belief number five is the life I love loves me. The life I love is calling me and my job is to listen when my life speaks. If there is something that I want to give, create, contribute, save or own, share, I like to think that whatever that thing is, it also wants me. So I wanted this podcast and I believe this podcast wanted me. I love I love thinking about life in this way. The life I love, it wants to be lived. Just like I'm looking for it, it's looking for me. So when I have this belief, the life I love loves me, I, I then take extra time to nourish my soul, to listen to my desires and my longings and my cravings, to fill my life with things and people and opportunities that allow me to get curious about what's wanting to be lived through me. And then on the flip side of that, I also like to look at where am I feeling resistance? Where am I feeling my energy leaking? Where does it feel like I'm trying to force something? Because if I, I believe that the life I love loves me, that the life I love is calling to me, my job is not to force life to be a particular way. My job is to listen when life speaks and open to the flow of that love. Listen when my life speaks because the life I love loves me. The next one is life is a loving adventure. This is number six. Life is a loving adventure. 
There are ups and downs and twists and turns in the human experience. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I have noticed that. And when I think that life is always supposed to be smooth and steady, I struggle when life gets lifey. And so one of the beliefs that I've adopted is life is a loving adventure, that it's the contrast of the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. It's the contrast that makes the journey interesting. It's it's like it's it's hard to know the light without knowing the darkness. It's hard to know um, love. It's hard to know grief without feeling love. It's hard to know um, joy without knowing sadness. It's it's the contrast that makes the journey interesting. So I like to look at if life is getting lifey, still it's a loving adventure. So what's the most loving perspective I can hold when life gets lifey? What's the most loving thought? What's the most loving action? This is an invitation for me to build resilience, to do my inner work, to allow my inner work to evolve my outer world, to know that the mental maps I have in my mind, that's going to define and design the terrain of my outer world. And so I want to make sure that they're accurate. I want to make sure I'm always evolving and growing on that adventure, that I'm surrendering to the truth that who I am now is different than who I was in the past. And what works for me today might not work for me tomorrow, that I'm free to change. I'm free to grow and evolve on this loving adventure. When I believe that life is a loving adventure, things just seem to work out better and better. Now, they're not perfect and there's still struggle, but it's, it's navigated with more ease, with more resilience, with more surrender, with more love. Now, number seven, this is the final core belief that I found to be incredibly helpful. The idea is now is the time. The time is now and it is never too late. No matter how long you've been in a particular career, location, relationship, mindset, it is never too late. Again, we all arrive on the planet with possibility and with potential, with a desire to live a life we love. Now is the perfect time to live a life you love. You haven't missed your chance. It is not too late. You have everything you need within you. Life design, living a life you love, it's not dependent on time, money, age, energy, approval, accolades, education. It's not dependent on anything outside of yourself. You have everything you need within to begin the life you love today. Now is the time. All right, love. These are the seven core beliefs that I found to be incredibly helpful. Again, I give you these beliefs not to make them your own, unless, of course, you want to choose them, then please do. But to invite you to look at what are the core beliefs that are driving you in your life. I was hoping to plant some seeds today, some little belief seeds that have worked for me, worked for some of the other people that I've supported. And you get to choose whether or not you want these seeds to take root and grow. Now, these beliefs... They're not seven steps to living a life you love because I really believe that my way is not your way and what works for me might not work for you. There are countless people in the world that are often like telling us what we should be doing. So my intention here is never to tell you what to do, but rather to invite you to find your own way to step into the life you love, starting with the beliefs that you hold, because I know that your beliefs will create your reality. Your beliefs will create your reality. What you believe, you become. And the reality you expect is a reality you experience. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm so excited to be on this adventure, this loving adventure with you. 
I want to clarify where the To Live This Life podcast fits on your path of personal growth and where you might need some extra support. I am a registered psychologist in gorgeous Alberta, Canada. The Rocky Mountains are my backyard. I know, I'm so lucky. And after 20 years of working with some incredible humans to help them heal the past, love the present, and light up the future, I really do know how important it is to find the right support. The content created in the show is not intended as specific therapeutic advice. The intention of this podcast is to provide stories and strategies, education and resources, and hopefully a little love, but it's not a first line of treatment for times when you're experiencing psychological distress. Because this podcast is designed for a broad audience, it's not a substitute for face-to-face therapy with a local therapist or treatment from your medical professionals. As humans, we all struggle from time to time. We all have rough days. But there is a difference between a hard day and sustained mental struggle. If you feel like you're having more bad days than good days, if you are regularly distressed, please seek out professional support. Thank you for being here. Your presence matters.